Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I'm your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone, at Dino Game Theory on Twitter. This is episode number nine. Let's roll. Well, it was a pretty uh, pretty interesting week in, in football, week six. I, You know, this feels like the week for me as you guys uh, kind of all um, come to grips with what your dynasty team looks like, even your redraft team. Redraft's a little bit different, of course, because <laughs> there's no planning for next year. And this is a dynasty podcast and a dynasty show. So, you know, we're talking about your dynasty team. And I think one of the things that you ought to be thinking about right now is 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 really a, the medical checkup of your team. Um, a lot of injuries. There's been a lot of bad luck. So you can actually have a good team with a bad record or a bad team with a good record. But understanding what your team looks like right now and making the appropriate uh, decision going forward is huge. And that brings me to sort of, you know, I think – what people want to know is, you know, when do I rebuild? How do I rebuild? And, and I thought that was something that, you know, I would touch on, you know, just because you're two and four doesn't mean you need to rebuild. And just because you're four and two doesn't mean you shouldn't be thinking of the future. But generally speaking, you probably have some things figured out this week as to whether or not your team is, is, has a chance of, of competing. And, you know, last week on the show, we had, we had, uh, Mike Lou and he and I talked about it and he, he gave me the best thing. I'm, I'm putting this, you know, in the dynasty game theory handbook. Um, you know, he called future draft picks or that next season's draft picks, the iron bank. And I love it. Uh, you know, I, I sort of have thought that way, but I never had that term and I love it. It's a great place to put your assets. So, you know, even if, you know, uh, your, you're getting third or fourth round picks. It's still steady and stable asset uh, asset management, if you will. Um, you know, Devonte Freeman. Who knows what he's going to be worth in you know it, come uh, eight months? You know, beginning of 2021 season. But we certainly know a third round picks value is going to be what it is. You know, and third round picks. That's where Chase Claypool came from. So you know, people snuff at third round picks and think, oh, those aren't worth anything. They are worth something, especially if you're turning you know somewhat of a usable asset. That's that's usable this year, but probably won't be next year. And you're not going anywhere. If you can turn it into anything, it's worth it than to just sit on it and let it fade away uh, that next year. So, absolutely a huge thing to think about is, and and, and to have a conversation with a, with another owner. You know, you see a competing owner who has you know um, a little bit of running back issues. Maybe they had Saquon. Now they lost Dalvin Cook, but their team is dope. They're probably a juggernaut. You say, hey, listen. You know, I really, I've got Devontae Freeman. I'm going nowhere. I know he's not worth much. You have that conversation. You open it up. Look, I will give him to you. I just need a little something back, right? And you, you have that conversation. Now that guy's maybe more receptive than just a, a blind trade. Now, you know, if you're in a lot of leagues, it's hard to have conversations. I mean, it's not a full-time job. But if you're in one, two, three, four leagues, maybe, you know, you can probably have these conversations um, even by phone. I, I don't know if you guys know what a phone is. You actually put it to the side of your head and talk to somebody crazy. Uh, but, you know, even as opposed to a DM or a text. So, you know, definitely send out uh, those trades, but also try and engage in conversation and find that win-win. But uh, another thing that you should be thinking about, too, is, you know, if you get two or three picks in the first round next year, but your team is absolute dog shit, it's probably not going to turn your fortunes around. So, I usually try and stack them and, and, you know, in that next draft, and we'll get there as we get closer to draft season, you're probably looking to trade back and acquire, you know, first round picks in the 2022 draft and stack even more. 
you know, you've seen, I've seen teams rebuild, and I know a lot of you out there have as well, where, where a guy has a few little assets, but he has, you know, seven or eight first rounders and five or six seconds, and then a, a you know, a few thirds, fourths, and fifths, and he puts all his eggs in a, in a certain class's basket and turns everything around. I mean, imagine, you know, if you just had T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb, LaVisca Chenault, and a couple of these backs, and who, I mean, You'd be ready-made, uh, you know, contender in the next year, you know, with Herbert and Burrow or who knows what. Um, you know, we saw Tua play today a little bit. I mean, whoever you have, I mean, just having all those assets stacked in that same draft class, you basically are able to, you know, see those guys develop and sort of peak at the same time. And so I, I just was, uh, it was on my mind about, you know, rebuilding and, you know, speaking of rebuilding or building, um, you know, all the same things that I think of when I'm rebuilding in a dynasty team. And one of the biggest ones is like um, identifying on your team what is a building block, right? You know, and and I you, we we're not a hundred percent right on this, but that's something that I think I'm going to try and define for you going forward as who these players are. You know, going from one season to another, like to me, Cortland Sutton is a building block piece. So even though he's hurt, you feel free to trade for him. I, you know, he's he's solid. You know, there's other guys, uh, Marlon Mack, not as sure, right? Got into a little bit of a trade conversation with, um, you know, a couple of, a uh, couple of guys in, in my league. And, and, you know, we were talking about, uh, I was, I was trying to acquire Sutton in a rebuild and selling Mack, uh, you know, in a team that was going for it. And there's a difference between acquiring a guy like Mack who should have value versus a guy like Sutton who will have value. And so, you know, when you are building cornerstones, that's what we're basically doing at the Undroppables. And, you know, I've got two cornerstone guys with me today who are just outstanding dudes who do outstanding work. And I'm so excited to to bring them on. The first is Andrew Mackins. Andrew is our editor-in-chief here at the Undroppables. And when I tell you that's a lot of work, it really is. You know, so, so Andrew joins us today along with uh, Justin Mandaro. Justin does all of our video producing and editing which is becoming a, a, a bigger a bigger job. And hopefully he's going to be so busy, he needs a lot more help going forward. But together, they do something that I absolutely love, which is, you know, this is something you guys, whoever's listening to this, you should just be tuning into this absolutely every single week because they do a great job with it, first of all. But it's one of the things that we are looking for, or that I've been looking for my whole fantasy football career, was live advice and information leading up to kickoff right before Sunday's games. And that's what they do. They do under the wire pregame show. They do that over on the fantasy football chat discord. Um, it is, it's just a great place. If you haven't been to the discord, you go, uh, it's just discord fa- fantasy football discord. That's what it is. And, and, and get the app. And, you know, there's a lot of people on there. Uh, the undroppables are always on there. We, you know, we have a, a big presence, but without further ado, let's, let's get both these guys in. Andrew, Justin, what's up boys? Hello. Hello, Mr. Game Theory. How are you doing? Thank you. I appreciate that. Mr. Game Theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Scott, I, I appreciate you bringing Justin and I on, not not just so we can plug under the wire and uh, get our voices on some other outlets, but uh, just so we can chat about some, you know, dynasty conversations as well. Yeah, I got to, uh, you know, I've got to pass along those same sentiments there from uh, Andrew. Just can't uh, thank you enough for giving us another opportunity to uh, shoot the shit, talk about fancy sports, talk about fancy football, and really kind of kick things off here. Uh, this Sunday evening. 
Well, it's funny because, you know, one of my goals with doing this show was to just get every single undroppable on. And it's going to take me a while because there's a lot of us working <laughs> our asses off to make this thing happen. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to touch on a few guys, you know, and, and certainly give some shout outs just because, well, first, uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I actually think there's a lot of useful stuff. And again, what you guys are doing is so useful. You know, some stuff is useful. Some stuff is entertaining. I try to be a little bit of both. Sometimes I'm neither, but you know, I think what you guys do is really, really useful because leading up to kickoff is when there's new information, you know, you finally find out who's, who's active, inactive. And, you know, a lot of the big shows, it's like, it's a lot of nonsense and, you know, highlights and commercials. And you're just sitting there going, is fucking Julio playing? Just tell me. And they're not telling <laughs> you. And you're like, God, how long do I have to watch this stupid thing just to find out that one answer? Not only are you going to tell the people, but you're also going to have some advice right then and there, you know, uh, and, and probably good advice. I mean, obviously, you know, just the information is good enough, but the way you guys see the game is really good, you know, really, uh, outstanding. And, and, and I think you guys are doing a great job with the show. I, I try to tune in. I, I got two kids, so I, I'm not going to lie to you. I do miss it sometimes, but for me, it's a great thing just to have on the background, even just to make sure that as I'm doing my lineups and stuff, um, I've got that information as pressing as possible. Yeah, I think, you know, the way you talked about it earlier is it, you want to think of it as a radio program, but then the underrated part of that. So, yeah, you can listen to it in the background, but also there is a, you know, accompanying text chat where other undroppables like Tommy Moe and like uh, AWL Sabermetrics, those guys and others from the undroppables are in there answering your personalized start sit questions. And Amazing. I think that's the part that goes kind of unspoken. Yeah, that's a great point because that's probably even better because you guys are talking, giving information, then you can't follow up and be real time, but those guys can do exactly that right there. That's that's so true and so awesome. Yeah, exactly. And it helps for them to give their opinion because I think Justin and I uh, are like in lockstep and almost have this like mind meld slash groupthink on certain players. And and I love to get someone else's opinion in the text chat instead of us just saying like, oh yeah, you, you can definitely start Michael Gallup this week because he he's a good player. And then he gets like two receptions. Yeah, and what you don't understand is that I actually am Andrew. That's how we're able to do it. I just change my <laughs> voice when I want to talk uh, on behalf of Andrew. So we are in lockstep because we're we're essentially the same person. I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. Hey, so let's get to the fire. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, this this is a dynasty show, and and uh, you know, we we are recording Sunday, basically during the San Francisco LA game. Uh, I don't. It hasn't kicked off yet, but you know, that's about when we're recording this. But it comes out, you know, basically late Monday night, Tuesday morning, or whatever. You know, just overnight. So you know, basically, we've missed the three games. But who cares? You know, that's not necessarily what we're talking about. But we do kind of know what happened this week. We also know what's kind of going on. In, in the world of fantasy football. And I think one of the things for me as a, you know, I hear a lot of podcasts, talk, Twitter, uh, league members, people I know, you know, obviously everybody wants to talk fantasy football with me. And I hear a lot of varying opinions on some of these rookie running backs in terms of, you know, whether they're a bust or whether or not they're, you know, uh, overrated, all this stuff, right? And so I kind of wanted to put a little reset on it. You know, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, you know, uh, the Roto Underworld pod with Nate Liss and Matt Kelly. Nate Liss will be on the show next week, so I'll be able to, you know, hit him straight away. But they were talking today, 
or this this past week about um you know some some of these running backs and you know I just wanted to jump in so so bad as they were talking cuz like you know they each mm-hmm. had differing points and I I had a third point you know it was like I was on a whole another plane with some of these backs and you know um so so let's dive in a little bit uh quick discussion one of the things that I think we and it sort of already showed I was going to one of my topics was going to be don't sleep on them because these guys are going to show themselves and one of them did today in a big way and that was DeAndre Swift it's like we know DeAndre Swift is good and I don't mean to you know steal your guys' thunder because maybe you were going to say he sucks or whatever but you know at the end of the day we know he's good but a lot of people were fading and you know wondering oh it's Detroit and this and that look it's a rookie situation it takes some time and, you know, that's what I guess I'm looking at. Um, you know, I, I guess I would ask you guys a little bit, you know, it, have you guys been playing Dynasty a long time? And, and if so, you know, what are your thoughts on just the overall topic of rookie running backs or rookie players in general and staying patient? Yeah, I can go first on this one. And it's interesting because I want to incorporate more Dynasty outlook kind of stuff into my redraft in the off season. Um, Cause I started like huge redraft guy, still am. And I started doing uh, some dynasty last year and this year I upped it from like two leagues to seven leagues. So I am, I'm much more involved in dynasty, but still pretty new to it. And the biggest thing, particularly with these running backs is like, we're what writing them off after five weeks into their rookie season. I feel like the way you, thought about them before the season started, you should be relatively <laughs> around the same opinion still. I, it be, and it's because coaches still don't want to give rookie running backs the ball because I, I don't know what it is. Like they still think they need to earn their, their keep and try to make them a more complete back or whatever it is. But, you know, this time in 2018, Nick Chubb hasn't seen much of the field yet. He might've had one big pop game, but, Carlos Hyde was still on the Browns Bingo. and he didn't blow up until Carlos Hyde was traded. So I like to, you know, try to pump the brakes and try to be a little more patient in dynasty. Yeah. And I, and I kind of sort of agree with you. I think the biggest issue that was recency bias we've seen since 2017, this influx of rookie running backs come in and just absolutely dominate, right? Zeke's done it. Uh, Barkley's Barkley. done it. Uh, you know, uh, El- Leonard Fournette did it for a while before he had obviously his issues there in uh, Jacksonville. So we, we've had a lot of these different guys come in and just absolutely start smoking the league off the bat. I think the other biggest thing is, is what we've noticed, at least with this year, is that a lot of the guys that got drafted, a lot of the rookies that got drafted, didn't really get drafted to teams that needed a running back. But like, you know, guys like CEH, the Chiefs didn't need a running back. They had Damian Williams, they had Darrell Williams. They had they had guys that were serviceable enough to be able to play the spot. Same thing goes for Dylan and Moss and, you know, Jonathan Taylor and, and all these guys that they came in. Dobbins is another one. Swift is another one. They came in understanding that we thought that no matter what was going to happen, they were going to be the RB1 on their team and that, coaches were going to start peppering them and, and and doing what we've seen with Zeke and Saquon and so on. It just hasn't come out that way. So, you know, a lot of fantasy players are really looking at this as a recency bias. Well, Zeke did it. Barkley did it. Why can't Jonathan Taylor score me 20 fantasy points a game? Why is uh, DeAndre Swift not doing anything? Why is J.K. Dobbins scoring less than five fantasy points per game at this point? 
And I think a lot of that has to do with this idea that the NFL is switching their mindset. Coaches are switching their mindset to a, more of a committee kind of situation. And, uh, you know, eventually these guys are going to emerge. You're correct, right? Chubb didn't emerge until after Hyde was traded. I think that same thing is going to happen here. Uh, you know, you're going to start seeing some of these older guys uh, start to, to fall off. Mark Ingram will fall off. Adrian Peterson will fall off. on Johnson will fall off, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I like their prospect moving forward. But that, to me, seems like a, a pretty big issue there with the recency bias. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, there's another, you know, and, and uh, Andrew said it with the word patience, and we're very impatient. And, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about it. It's like how likely was Chase Claypool – to score a hundred yards and go for three touchdowns in week one or in week seven. It's like the same likelihood. Like there's no difference, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. now that we've seen him do it once, we're like, Oh, he's, it's going to happen again for sure. Like we're so convinced, you know, but it probably won't. And, you know, I mean, he's the same, he's, like you said, it's the same guy, like, you know, and I, I'm, I, I, I've come a long way on a, on a guy like Chase Claypool specifically. I'm not trying to, but I, I was using him as an example because he had such a huge spike week. You know, and it's, it, you know, that's not him. And it, he's probably not also, you know, one target guy. Somewhere in between, he's going to be great and I'm sure he'll be fine. But we are so recency biased, like you say. It's so that vividness of seeing it happen and and and, and we react so quickly. And of course we do. And I would always say just take advantage of that. You know, I think I traded uh, Travis Fulgham mm-hmm. for Leonard Fournette. And who knows, maybe that'll be a bad trade. Maybe Travis Fulgham is Antonio Brown and... Fournette is a pile of junk. I'm sure it's true, especially because I said it on the pod. But, um, but you know, at the end of the day, a guy has a huge game and Fournette is like completely out of it. Uh, you know, I like that trade. I mean, I, you know, I'm running backs are hard to come by. So, although, uh, Ronald Jones did look good, but we're going to have a little bit of fun with this. And, and I'm just going to ask you either, you know, for real or, or not for real or worried or not worried, depending on what type of player it is. You know, remember, we haven't seen a couple of Sunday night and Monday night games. So, yeah, maybe we'll leave them off. The first one, and I'll just go to you, uh, Justin. Worried, not worried, J.K. Dobbins. I'm not worried for Dynasty. I'm worried for redraft, and I'm certainly worried for this year. Uh, the current snap percentage for those three running backs in Baltimore are pretty significant. They are splitting basically a third all the way through. I, I believe Dobbins is the most at 35%, but Ingram's at 33 and Gus Edwards is at 32. It's not like there's a clear-cut winner there. Uh, the other big issue is that for some reason, at least in my eyes, the Ravens' offense just isn't running as well and as smooth as we'd want it to be. Uh, Lamar showed flashes this week, uh, but for the most part, it really hasn't looked good. And then you've got the split in carries. Um, yeah, for me, it really just hasn't looked good. And then you've got the split in carries. And when you've got the split in carries like that, I think it's really hard to kind of pinpoint one guy that's going to inevitably take on the full show. I think towards the end of the season, Dobbins should start seeing more share just so that we can get a better sense as to what we've got in him, or at least what the Ravens have gotten him. Um, but uh, I just don't see, at least for 2020, there being a clear-cut guy in that Ravens backfield, and that's going to hurt Dobbins. So I'm certainly worried about that. But Ingram yeah. will be gone next year. Dobbins will take over, and I think he'll be fine for Dynasty moving forward. 
yeah, I, I think we should probably give a quick shout out to BZ who, um, who said it first when he was talking about how the, well, of course he's a Pittsburgh fan, so he's looking for their weaknesses, but he found it. You know, Baltimore's a little bit weaker up the middle. And, you know, when you look at Dobbins, uh, Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram, even if you combine their stats, they're not as gaudy as even Mark Ingram's alone last, last year in terms of, a, you know, an efficiency, EPA and yards per carry and all that stuff. They're just not as efficient running the football. And I think it's because up the middle, the, the guards are gone. Um, you know, well, they're not gone. They replaced them. They're different guards. You know what I mean? But, you know, the, they do not have the, the same offensive line that they had last year. And they're either going to need to get better or replace them eventually. But, you know, they, they have to do a better job. And, you know, some of that is variance, obviously. But I, I think a lot of that is is that, you know, also the scheme, right? They can only sort of do so many things from that, you know, read option scheme. And teams are certainly playing them and are coached up to, to stop it. So, you know, nothing works too long in the NFL. I think that was another thing that, you know, when you were talking about these guys getting into the game as quickly or not, it's hard, man. These guys were the best of the best in college, but guess what? Everybody in the NFL was that. So put on your helmet, boy, and see what you can do, but it's not easy. It's not as easy as it was when you're running behind the Ohio State line and, you know, playing whomever, you know, Ball State or whatever. You know, this is this is real competition, so these guys have to get better. And, you know, I'll certainly bring that up for the next guy that I've got on the list, who is Jonathan Taylor, who I think, you know, worried, not worried. I am not worried, but I will say that, you know, he's been, you know, objectively average. And everybody knows I'm a huge, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor fan, but at the same time, you know, he has to do a better job. And, you know, he did today. Uh, again, on a per-touch basis, he's doing great. Sometimes he gets a little bottled up. Sometimes he's a little hesitant. I think all that stuff is because of what I just mentioned, that sort of, hey, these guys are bigger, stronger, faster. The game is more complex. The defenders are smarter. You know, you can't tip your hat. You can't, you know, there's no, like, making up for it with just skill. You have to be, you know, just athleticism, in other words. You know, there, there's other athletic guys on the defense. So, you know, but, but again, I think um, – you know, all that sort of stuff comes along. And, and we saw it again with uh, DeAndre Swift today. Had a huge game. We'll get to him. But, you know, Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, worried, not worried. And when I say worried or not worried here, Andrew, I'm talking about as my 1.01 going into the season. Uh, are you worried to that level? Like, do you think he's not the 1.01 anymore? Worried, not worried, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, all the stuff you've heard about Jonathan Taylor, again, going into the season is that he was the 101 and that he is – the best talent since Zeke. And I think that, you know, despite the, maybe the Colts offensive line taking a half step back, that he is still that guy for all intents and purposes. I know our undroppables, you know, resident Colts fan, Pauly, at Pauly Sleepers, I think he mentioned something last week that Taylor has potentially not had the best vision in terms of reading the blocks and, you know, finding the right hole. But I think that's something that comes with time. You know, these guys were part-time student athletes in college and they are relying heavily on their athletic ability. When you get into the NFL, now they're, you know, football is their full-time job. And I think that means they have a lot more time to actually watch the film and learn what to look for and develop that vision now that they are in the NFL. So that's something that, you know, they're not going to all get right away. I've seen people make that knock on Miles Sanders in the past as well. 
And so that's something that can always improve. You know, they're, they've only, they haven't even played eight games in the NFL yet. So I think that there's definitely room to improve and he's still, you know, in peak physical condition. So I don't see why he you know, wouldn't be the one-on-one still moving forward in terms of, uh, you know, rookie prospects, particularly with running backs. Yeah. So not worried. And I agree with you. I, I you know, He's just he's going to be electric. Um, that that team got down twenty one nothing today too, which was really ugly. And good for Philip Rivers coming back because when I I swear I I was looking for my Jacoby Brissett um you know shares and where he was available <laughs> and I was like oh boy here it comes you know and I I it wasn't because of you know Rivers throwing picks or anything. I think they had only ran like eight or nine plays when they were down twenty one nothing, which is kind of hard to do. But nonetheless, they were not getting it done. But, um, you know, that one was, again, I, you know, Paulie said it. They're a flawed team. They're not perfect. They don't have mm-hmm. all their weapons, both Pittman and um, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell. I was going to say Paris Hilton. She's also not on the team, like unavailable to play. You know, I don't, <laughs> I, they couldn't find a helmet for her, whatever the case was. Um, but she's not, she's not going to play. But Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman are out, and T.Y. Hilton is not himself, I guess. I mean, obviously, or something, or, you know, something's not right there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, even Molly Cox has been hurt and, you know, Trey Burton stole a one yard touchdown run from JT, all of my JT shares say, which I did not appreciate. But, you know, I think when we, when we look at JT, I, I am not worried, uh, not even a little bit. I think he's going to be just fine. And the thing that he's doing, he was four catches on four targets for 55 yards in the passing game today. Let's go. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Like this is what it's all about. If, if this kid can start catching passes, which he has mm-hmm. been doing pretty regularly, watch out. I'm with you 100% there. And I think – I don't know what it is with Reich in the offense, but so it's something that I'm trying to monitor each week is the number of touches that you know JT is splitting. I think from week four to week five, his carry share is still increasing, so it's not awful. But it's just another thing where like the rookie isn't just getting the full workload day one. And I don't know why the coaches aren't doing that or giving him that full workload, but it should increase. Yeah, they can't just and today it did. Today, to today it did. I mean, today he, you know, uh, there were only thirteen running back carries. He got twelve. Uh, Trey Burton Perfect. did sneak in a one yard <laughs> touchdown run, which really hurts everything, you know. And then Rivers mm-hmm. uh, with the kneel down, I guess. Uh, but you know, that that was it. So yeah, they did do that today. Um, and you know, uh, you know, just pimping my next week's guess, he did say, Hey, we're lucky as JT owners that Marlon Mack did get hurt because the way that JT has been playing, they might've even been a little slower with him had, um, had Mack been available. But the fact that he's not is actually a little bit of a godsend because he's able to work through some of these issues as opposed to sit on the bench and think about these issues. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think with Jonathan Taylor, I think the biggest concern for me is that the Colts seem to be playing from behind a lot. Now, obviously that tends to lean in his favor because he is getting pass catching targets, but uh, the last couple of weeks, you know, he's had less, he's had 12 or fewer carries in the last two weeks. I think that is a significant number for me um, simply because, you know, ultimately we'd like to see more volume out of him. Uh, And if the team is winning and not playing from behind and not having to, to, to do this, kind of catch-up game, we're going to start to see those numbers increase, which obviously is going to look good. But that offense needs to be a little bit more efficient uh, in order for that to really happen. Yeah, I think week three was his, it was his really big down week. I mean, I think he only played like 24 snaps total, which, you know, was not good. 
Um, but you know, he's been, he's been steadily increasing. He's going to be fine. And, and, you know, once he starts quote unquote, seeing the holes and, and being able to, you know, make better decisions out on the field, which look, it comes with, with experience. I mean, that's just how it works. I don't think he's a, you know, I, well, excuse me. I know he's not a dumb, dumb runner who runs into the back of his, his offensive lineman or whatever, because he had 2000 all purpose yards, three years straight. Uh, if he did that, then he's a, he's a cyborg. Uh, you know, if he's that bad, so he just isn't, you know, there's no possible mathematical equation that equates to him not being good and being able to rush, uh, you know, for 2000 yards a season, three years straight. So he's good. He's good at football and he's an electric athlete and he's going to get better. Um, you know, so uh, again, hashtag not worried at all. Um, the, the, the next one I wanted to talk about was, um, was, was Deandre Swift and, you know, DeAndre Swift, you know, we would have been asking, worried, not worried coming into this game. Uh, but because he goes off, you know, I'm going to ask it almost from a redraft perspective, sort of rest of season, real or not real. In other words, are we going to see what we saw from uh, DeAndre Swift today kind of going forward? Was this his Miles Sanders moment? Or was this just sort of a little bit of a you know a blurb in the you know a blip in the radar and it's going to go back to a little bit of subdued opportunity? What do you guys think? Yeah, I think for me, I think there is some cause for concern there with Swift and some hesitation showing up on what happened today. The Jaguars' defense is just not good. Uh, so let's just look at their last three games against the rush. Um, you know, David Johnson had 96 yards, did score. Uh, two weeks ago, Joe Mixon had 181 all-purpose yards, 151 of those yards were on the ground. He scored three times. That's just in the last three weeks, you know, obviously including today's game against, um, uh, against Swift. And then if we go back even further to week three, it's not like Miles Gaskins did nothing. He had 22 carries and 66 yards, had five receptions for 29 yards. They're giving up fantasy points to running backs. So I want to say that uh, I like Swift's uh, rest of season. I certainly liked him going into the season. I still think, again, just like Dobbins, you're going to have a lot of future uh, in involved when it comes to Swift. Uh, but, again, he just didn't play a very good defense this week. Next week, they have Atlanta. Uh, they are on the road. Atlanta is still reeling, I think, uh, They, despite, though, that they kind of shut down the run game today. So we'll see what Swift does next week. But obviously, I'm still concerned with Adrian Peterson being there, vulturing touchdowns and vulturing touches. So uh, I think there's definitely a reason to be hesitant, but it did definitely look good today. Andrew? There's a difference between the box score and the film, obviously. So Matt Patricia is going to have to look at the film as well. But you look at the box score, Swift had 14 carries for 116 yards, and Adrian Peterson had 15 carries for 40 yards. So I feel like if Patricia wants to keep his job, that he needs to continue to feed Swift the ball. And I know that's like, there's this fallacy and fantasy of assuming rational coaching. So, you know, it could be an even split still, but I think this was a really promising game where Swift took advantage of his opportunity. He really helped them, you know, salt the lead away or salt the game away. And I can't imagine a world where Swift doesn't stay involved and they just use Peterson as a spell guy. Yeah, I, I, I would. God, I hope so. Um, you know, it's interesting, <laughs> right? Com- right. We're just hoping into, for it. Yeah, exactly. Coming into the into the season after the draft, 
you know, I before the draft, I had uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as my, like, fifth or sixth. I might have had someone ahead of um, us. But right there, fifth or sixth best running back. So, in other words, I think he's good. It's not like I don't think he's good. But I felt like there was an elite four. And the other four guys, you know, the Dobbins, Akers, Swift, and JT, I felt like were just better football players. That's just how I felt. I could be wrong. I'm not, you know, but I don't think I am. I think they are. And, 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 and of course, Swift would have been so good in Kansas City. I, I still, to this day, will say they made the wrong pick. They should have taken DeAndre Swift, but they didn't. They took Hilaire and then Swift gets, you know, banished to Detroit. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, could it be any worse? Right. But yet I was still trying to find a way to put Swift and Dobbins. Nah, sometimes even acres, but I, I kept thinking of ways that I could actually draft those guys ahead of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And really, in a lot of ways, the only reason that I didn't was because of value, right? If I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire or, or, or draft DeAndre Swift, I didn't need to do that. All I had to do was really draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire and then immediately trade him for DeAndre Swift plus if I really felt that way because the value is so much higher. But, you know, I kept thinking to myself, I don't know that I would rather own Clyde Edwards Hilaire than any of these guys in Dynasty. You know, and I still, of course, now with with uh, Lev Bell in town, you know, the sort of season one prognostications of, of Clyde Edwards Hilaire are in jeopardy. I don't know that they're toast because every this was the one thing that sort of came up on the on uh, uh, with Nate Liss and Matt Kelly that I was want to jump on the radio. They're like assuming so much of Lev Bell, and yeah, you can assume that he might, you know, once they put him in the lineup, that he might get a sixty percent, um, you know, market share of, of touches and carries, and but. What proof do we have that this kid can stay healthy, this Lev Bell? I mean, hamstrings, he's 28. Like, I don't know. I, I, you know, a, a tweak here, a little pull there, a, a calf strain. I just don't, I'm not, you know, sold on, on Lev Bell being some sort of 70%, uh, you know, player in Kansas City from here on out. I just am not. Uh, which is another question I, I definitely had, you know, on the show sheet for you guys. And, what do you guys think of this sort of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Lev Bell sort of timeshare going forward? I'm just talking 2020, just this season. How, how do you guys see this playing out? Gosh, it's tough, man, because every player that leaves the clutches of Adam Gase ends <laughs> up just go balling out. So, you know, he might be healthy after the stint on the IR, and he might just go crazy. And then Andy Andy Reid keeps feeding him. Andy Reid keeps calling calling his number, finding ways to get him yardage in the passing game and in the end zone. And for some reason, you know, CEH hasn't been able to do that yet. And, and it's tough because we, you know, we love CEH as a prospect, but a lot of times people say, you know, what is the team telling us when they decide to sign this guy? It's that Clyde Edwards Alaire is yet ready or is not yet ready to take the full workload. And so they're going to bring in a veteran like they did last year with LaShawn McCoy, which helped them early in the year, but not not in the in the Super Bowl run. And and it really messes things up from a fantasy perspective. And it and it's it's tough, especially if you owned both of these guys uh, or rostered both Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Lev Bell on the same team. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a, that big of a fan. I, I I but here's the problem that I have with the whole situation. I think. The Chiefs have Hilaire, they have CEH, right, for what, five years? Right. At the most. 
a minimum of four years. They can make a decision as to whether or not they want to take and, uh, you know, uh, fifth year do option. that player yeah. option. Yeah, the, yeah. the fifth year option. Sorry, blanking on that, right? That's all right. They have no, that yeah, option. And if he doesn't perform, then they don't need to do the option. If he does perform, they have the option. And they got a first-round pick kind of stud running back uh, for that offense for, for many, many years. When it comes to Le'Veon Bell, I think you hit it on the head, Andrew. It seems like everyone who leaves Adam Adam Gase becomes this like ultra stud all of a sudden. You saw it with Devontae Parker, who kind of switched gears once Gase was gone. Uh, we're going to see it again once the Jets uh, finally fire him, which I can only imagine is coming very, very shortly after going 0-6 and getting shut out by the Dolphins today. Uh, that that It's just going to happen. Now, I don't like Le'Veon Bell. I didn't like him uh, coming into last year. I didn't like him coming into this year. Uh, it, it was proven and shown. The offensive line isn't very good there in New York. And I think he's a little bit more reliant on having those big open holes or big gigantic guys where he can kind of move around. Now, if we were talking last year, I think the Le'Veon Bell move works. But this year they're ranked 18th in run blocking, right? They're not that great of a run blocking unit. Uh, and they're, uh, according to PFF, run blocking grade, of course. And they're not that ahead of those who are 19 and 20. So they are a below average run blocking unit in a pass first offense with a lot of mo- moving parts and a lot of moving weapons. I-, I just don't see Le'Veon Bell be all of a sudden becoming the guy that we saw in Pittsburgh, you know, three years ago. And what makes me worried about CEH there is, is that, again, CEH is on this four-year, five-year deal, potentially, and Bell is on this one-year show-me deal. I could absolutely see an instance where Andy Reid and you know that offense all of a sudden starts just peppering Bell, and let's see what we've got out of him. If we've got a big thing out of him, we win another Super Bowl, great. If we don't have anything out of him, good, we cut him, we move on. And we still have CEH moving forward to continue to develop. But I think for now, I think there's a, a pretty significant cause for concern for CEH truthers, at least for 2020. Uh, and we'll see what Bell does as to whether or not that affects 2021 and beyond. Yeah, I think you're, you're, you guys are all over it, of course. Um, but, you know, the one thing I was thinking is like, you know, CEH, if he can, if, if you're like wish hoping, just hoping into a bottle for CEH, you're hoping that he's the player that Lev Bell was in his career, right? So we can basically say that Lev Bell is at least as good or better than CEH. That much we kind of just know because Lev Bell was awesome. Now, does he still have it? Well, he, he looks like he was in shape. He actually looked pretty good in the last game, whatever. But he has, we haven't really seen much of him. You're right. We've only seen him in this putrid Adam Gaze, Greg Williams team of, you know, awfulness. I hate that whole team so much. It's It, it drives me crazy. Um, I think they should keep Gaze around just so he can get embarrassed further. I love watching Gregor Williams on the sideline getting pissed off with his fake hair, fake teeth, fake glasses, fake everything. I love it. Anyway, tangent. But CEH now, you're right. Love Bell escapes. I love getting all fired up about Gregor Williams because that mother. Anyway, um, <laughs> you you it, love saying Gugga oh, together because he's got two G, G's. The extra frosty tips, like everything about that dude. You know the 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 whole thing he did on uh, on Hard Knocks. He was just such a dick. Like you could just tell. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you met that guy once, you just want to. You know, I'd pull uh, Mike Gusecki out of the water and throw Greg, Greg, Greg Williams into the into the water. <laughs> he's going over the bridge. But um, 
you know, nonetheless, you know, uh, I think Lev Bell can overtake CEH. I don't disagree with that. I just don't know how long Lev Bell lasts in an NFL uniform in a, in a season where he's getting hit. I just don't know. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just color me skeptical on this whole thing. You know, so I, I think it's going to be a little spotty at first. And, and that's the, that's the part that's tough because, you know, this week we know we're going to play CEH. Next week's the week where you go, uh, I guess we still play CEH. And, and that's the week that if it gets screwy, then it, it then it just, it, it's so hard because week after week, you know, we're always looking at last week, you know, saying, well, they, they split it. And then this, the next week they give it all. It's kind of like the Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones thing where, you know, Fournette looked like he took over, then he's hurt. Then he, yeah. you know, he's active. He's not active. It's like, you know, what is going on in Tampa? I mean, Ronald Jones now looks good. It's that whole thing, you know, and, and so it could get very murky and, and frustrating for fantasy owners. Um, I, you know, so that's the way I see it happening, but I just, I'm not ready to just, you know, as much as I'm not a huge Clyde Edwards Hilaire fan, I'm just not ready to just put Lev Bell in that RB1 spot in Kansas City and call it good. I think there's going to be fits and starts. I think Andy Reid is going to make sure that who whomever is in there is getting the job done. And if not, I think he's going to use the leverage of having the other guy to make sure that he's getting it done. I agree. And, and it's so tough for me, like for being an indecisive person by nature sometimes to play fantasy, because I also, you know, have the ability to have an open mind and see both sides of an argument because, you know, Justin and I said, oh, well, he left Adam Gase. Now he's going to smash. But when was the last time we saw a running back down on his luck performance wise, you know, go to a new team and just absolutely revitalize his career? Yeah, 28. Maybe DeMarco Murray when he went to the Titans. Yeah. That's probably what it was. And those are, you know, once in a blue moon. So it's definitely tough to have any confidence in one way or the other. Yeah. And that's actually a pretty good corollary because they had Derrick Henry there, the first round pick or yeah, he was a first round pick, right. Or whatever. I mean, yeah. 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 Derrick Henry stole some touchdowns from him like a couple times, but Murray was taking away all the carries uh, when they signed him from Dallas. Yeah. I felt like, uh, Murray was stealing everything from Henry. It looks like uh, I was right <laughs> yeah. about that one. I was so pissed when that was happening. Uh, you know, just because it was so clear that Henry was this sort of, you know, transcendent, you know, specimen. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, no, here, just take eight carries. Oh, well, look, he, he broke one for 25. And, you know, it's like, yes, that's going to happen, bro. Like, he's going to get you four yards every single time he touches the ball. And then, like today, 92 when, it, when, when he feels like it, you know, or yeah. 55 on a screen pass to basically win the game and you know like mm-hmm. the dude's special and it really bothered me i don't think ceh is so that's a pretty good corollary because maybe lev bell can overtake him in the way that demarco murray did although i don't know man it's going to be interesting that's for sure and 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 we'll keep our eyes on it but let's move along you know i think that's a that's going to be a, a tough one for fantasy players to um to sort of navigate so uh best yeah. of luck with that i don't i don't think we solved anything <laughs> here today but you know play him play him last night i'm sure he did great because this will come out on tuesday you guys get it all right <laughs> yeah yeah moving right along um here's one uh shout out term zach moss worried not worried now we're gonna get that game tomorrow right um so we'll we'll see about whether or not he he plays but you know the toe the TJ Yeldon showing up. They were interested in in Lev Bell. Uh, Devin Singletary is still Devin Singletary, which is a frisky little back that seems to you know excel every time uh, he gets opportunity. 
Are we worried about Zach Moss here? Um, he's a little bit of a plotter. Or maybe that was just the toe. I don't know. He didn't look so explosive in the first couple games. Are we worried? I am. I, I was never too high on Moss. And I don't know if that was just me, you know, reading Twitter and see, and assuming a ball blast curse on Zach Moss or something because the takes are getting a little out of control for me. But he's been out of the rotation for so long. And you're seeing a guy like Jonathan Taylor is busting his ass just to get in the rotation more. So how is the script going to flip in just a couple weeks? Like that's the biggest concern for me. I think the other concern for me, at least when it comes to Zach Moss is that Devin Singletary is still a capable running back. Yeah. Again, going into the season, I, I wasn't very high on him. I'm not very high on Singletary now in the season. Uh, last week, you saw that TJ Yeldon was the one that did all the production there uh, in the Buffalo Bills running attack. Uh, but at the same time, Singletary has shown flashes. I'm starting him in a couple of leagues because I don't have any other running backs at the time. And so I, I have to play him. But it's not like he has been unserviceable. And uh, unlike situations with JT, right, where Marlon Mack was serviceable prior to the injury, uh, Naeem Hines is still a serviceable back, right? But Jonathan Taylor is just significantly more talented than Zach Moss uh, and is a different type of runner. When it comes to Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, they're too close to me in terms of what their skill set is and their talent level is. And so I look at that and I go, yes, you should be worried. This is absolutely going to continue to be a committee. And I don't know if Zach Moss is going to win the snap percentage. I think it's going to still be Singletary. I want to add on to that too. The whole hype surrounding Moss going into the season was the fact that we believed the Bills offense were, were going to be, you know, Sean McDermott's ground and pound, play good defense Bills. <laughs> like the Bills we've always known. And right now they're a super pass heavy team. Josh Allen's a potential MVP candidate and Stefan Diggs is going crazy in your wide receiver slot. So I think that flips the script entirely on what we should even expect from Zach Moss in this offense, because we, he's just like the, I don't think he's anything more than a goal line specialist from what we saw in one sample size, like week one. It's a great call. It's a great call. Uh, you know, first of all, the, the passing game works a great call. And, and, and um, I, you know, I was a huge Moss proponent going into the season, not as a player, but as an ADP. I mean, he was going so much later than, than Singletary. And I thought they were a flip a coin, you know, proposition. Now, now he gets hurt and he's not necessarily, you know, this amazing talent, as you point out. I think, you know, from everything that I've heard, he's just this kind of amazing teammate football player dude. But you know what? That doesn't always get it done if you've been hurt, missing games, not producing, et cetera, et cetera. So he needs to either get healthy or get on the field or both real quick so that he can start to assert himself. But yeah, uh, I'm worried, and and I, I, you know, I'll be curious to see what Term thinks of that. Maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll hear me say this on Tuesday morning, and on the on the uh, unscripted pod, he'll have his response. Because Term, I'm worried. Uh, let's move along, and 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 let's hit James Robinson. You know, this one's a, a real, not real, and and you know, you know, maybe real as a player. You can answer, sure. I think the bigger question is. Is he real as a staying asset? Like, you know, if you were betting, let's let's ask the question this way, real or not real. 2021, game one, 
of that season for Jacksonville, does James Robinson see the majority running back touch share in that offense, or is it player X? Gosh, I'll I'll bet on it. Yeah, go ahead. I'll bet on Robinson. And for you, it's player X? Yeah, for me, it's going to be player X. Uh, When I look at Robinson, he's obviously done decent things. Uh, His snap percentage, though, has gone down. It was at the highest at 76% in week four against Cincinnati, but it's hovering in that 58 to 56% range over the last two weeks. Um, And the yards per carry is what is really getting me. So James Robinson is giving fantasy players some hope. He's keeping people in games. He's even winning games for people, and that's great. But he's not winning games for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Jaguars are going to have a complete revamp next year. I could see um, Justin Fields as the new quarterback. We all know that Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jets. I could see (laughs) Trevor Fields as the – or not Trevor Fields. I'm mixing them together now. Justin Fields as a new quarterback in Jacksonville. And I could absolutely see the Jaguars utilizing some of their draft picks that they have next season. They've got two in the first round. I could see them using some of those draft picks – on another running back and bring in some guy that is going to be that next Leonard Fournette type. The other thing is there's going to be a lot of guys that are available next year. The free agent market for running backs is actually really good next year. Obviously you're going to have Lev Bell uh, on the block. You're going to have teams that are starting to make decisions on Mark Ingram, on Adrian Peterson. Uh, you're going to have you know other decisions going on there as well, like Marlon Mack. What do the Colts do there? Um, you know, so there's going to be a lot of things that happen over the next 12 months that determine what the Jacksonville Jaguars do. And yeah. So, 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 Robinson, so Justin, Justin just owned Andrew. That was the, that was the better take. Andrew, you gotta, you gotta reply. Oh, come on. You I gotta reply. Cause I mean, you just said, you just said, I'll go with James. That was it. Let, let's hear what you got to say, bro. I hard disagree with this. And and obviously, you know, Justin's take is the easy one because it's always easier to take the field than to just bet on Robinson. But I think the biggest thing here is Robinson is the one of the few bright spots on the team. And so I'm not saying they're going to build around him, but I don't think, yeah, they could sign someone in the free agent market. I think that was the best point Justin made is that there's a lot of free agents out there. But I think that with the draft capital they have, they have so many other weak spots on this roster. It's just like an awful roster on paper that they're going to be looking to continue to improve defense, offensive line, use your capital in other places to actually build a base around your your new quarterback if it's not Garner Minshew. And for me, that means you know we're going to stick with the one good thing we had last year in Robinson. I don't think they would draft a running back after they drafted Leonard Fournette in the first round. And then that went sour because that could happen again. And, and it's the whole like running backs, quote unquote, don't matter debate. So if they sign someone, then I'll admit that I'm wrong. Um, Cause there is a lot of options. There are a lot of options out there, but I'd be willing to bet they don't draft anyone and that they just stick with Robinson. Cause that, cause that's who they got. And yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be a committee, but that's my rebuttal. Well, and it's a good rebuttal. I mean, look, I, I was one of the highest on James Robinson pre-draft. Um, you know, that, that, you know, I think I had him at RB 13 or so, 13 pre-draft. Um, you know, after the draft, obviously he goes undrafted. I, I sort of lost a little conviction. He goes to Jacksonville where there's already Leonard Fournette. There was already, you know, some other guys in the Zigbo and they signed Chris Thompson. I, I sort of just lost hope. And then the sort of the seas parted for this kid and, I liked him. 
I, you know, I, I think he's a good player, but he's still an undrafted player, you know, uh, from a small school who isn't going to be insulated by the front office necessarily. Now, the only thing that, that could insulate him is if there's like a little bit of a love affair and that's why he's playing. I, I don't know. You know, that, that, that happens. We've heard that, you know, it's the Arian Foster situation where he just sort of is the guy, becomes the guy and goes from there. I'm not sure we're seeing that. And, and I would take the field on this one just because so much can change. And I think that's kind of the advice here in this particular situation is, you know, I wouldn't sell to sell, but I certainly, if I'm a, you know, going back to the very beginning of the podcast, when I said, is this a building block player? I say, no, um, even though it's possible he is, I'm not saying it's outside of his range of outcomes. It's just less likely uh, than, than it is, you know, more likely than not that he's not a, a, a building block piece. And right now you can probably sell him for 2021 first. Cause he's a starting running back in the NFL. Who's a rookie. And he's kind of the, he's the best rookie of the, you know, rookie of the year running back. I mean, he's just, he's been great. So, you know, that would necessitate uh, a good return, you know, out of 12 other guys or 11 other guys in your league, there's at least one of them who, you know, is as misguided as Andrew joking, joking, uh, (laughs) joking, but no, honestly, it's true. We're not, this isn't a slam dunk. There is someone who's going to have that feeling, you know, they either own them in another league or in redraft or they just love them or whatever. Find that guy, make that trade. I think unless you're competing and you're not going to get it, you know, if you're just trading for a single pick, you don't do that if you're, you know, competing, but you you get the point. If this is a little bit of a middling team that you've got or rebuilding team, I think it's a a great sell, um, you know, to, to, to turn it into a first round pick next year where there's going to be some real high leverage players for sure. Um, and, and I think that's really where I, where I fall on this. It, it is possible that he hangs on to it, but he's going to, he's going to have to hold on real, real tight to hang on. So yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm skeptical. Um, yeah. And I totally agree with that. I mean, I think you said the right thing. There's just no investment here for Jacksonville. Uh, so the Aaron Foster situation was, is, a, is different because he came in and absolutely smoked the league. We haven't really seen that from Robinson yet. Again, from a fantasy perspective, he's winning you games, but he's not winning games for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 2.4 yards per carry against Detroit, 3.7 against Houston, 3.9 against Indianapolis earlier in the year. That's not going to win the team ball games, right? And with Raquel, Raquel um, Armstead, with Ozigbo, those are guys they actually did put investment into. So... I think it's hard to go out and say that he is the guy next year. Granted, there's still a lot of uh, of season left that could change, but what I'm seeing so far, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, no, you guys are hitting it right on. I mean, it's it's definitely possible, but moving along, I think this will be fun. You know, I think it's by the way, great job, guys. I think it's a good episode. I'm having a lot of fun. Hopefully, you guys are having a lot of fun listening. You know, one of the things that you can, you know, that you can take a look at, and I think that y'all should is. Um, you know, go to theundroppables.com. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that we do have is updated offensive line rankings. And you can kind of see what they're seeing in terms of which offensive line is good, bad, or otherwise. And, and they're updated with, with injuries and performance. So, you know, if a team starts playing better on the offensive line, they'll move up and either rush or pass. Um, and then if someone gets hurt, you know, we have every offensive lineman listed. So you can actually, you know, sort of see who, who they are, maybe look them up, you know, figure out who, you know, who's who. And, and, you know, of course, uh, I'm going to uh, lobby Brad Wire to move the Jets into 32nd place just on principle alone so that, you know, we can just put them in the cellar for all things, especially defensive coordinators. 
Um, but you know, Brad Wire does great work. You know, I, I I'm sure you guys you know probably want to say something about him because he comes he came to the team you know sort of right at the right at the beginning of the, of the season, sort of no prep like. You know, we found each other, he and I, and, and you know, I kind of asked him if he was interested in doing this work, and it's unbelievable the amount of work he's putting in and the how good it is, like, right? I mean, are you guys, like, blown away by this kid? I think it's great to see a guy who's played the game at the co- collegiate level, very much like Tommy Moe, who was a, um, I believe it was D2 all-conference all defensive lineman. He and Brad together now can work on some things. And and Brad being, uh, I believe, an offensive lineman, you know, taking his experience within the game and being able to evaluate film with a little bit of background so he knows what he's looking for. Usually if I'm watching film, I'm like, okay, that guy looks special. Like you, some, you, you can just tell sometimes with guys, but with offensive line, like <clears throat> it's not that easy. And so I think it's really important to have guys like Brad on the team to be – to be in there and saying, okay, this is what he's supposed to do on this type of play. And here's what happened or here's what didn't. And and that's why we know that this line is stronger than, you know, this other line. Yeah. It's super helpful. And and I just, I love the work that Brad's doing and, you know, um, I, I just have to, I just have to say it just cause he does such a great job. And you mentioned Tommy, Tommy played at modern, modern day, uh, which is one of the you know top five, if not the most prestigious, you know, uh, high school football programs in the country. Uh, you know, he, yeah, he's a hell of a football player was, I guess. I don't know. I probably still could knock some people around, uh, you know, he'll, <laughs> but he's such a good dude. He's so jovial. He's doing so much cool stuff with like, you know, uh, quick video stuff. And he's just so much fun to have on the team. So fun to have him. He also brought his two on one, uh, podcast with Tommy Mo. Um, you know, it usually comes out on Thursday, I believe, but just, just awesome. And, and, um, you know, it, He's also doing uh, under review, which is a new film breakdown series on um, on on the site. You can just just yeah, follow. Justin, us. Right? Yeah, go ahead. I think it was with Justin. Yeah, right? Justin's helping him out, and and Justin does all the video editing for that. And Tommy, I mean, Justin, why don't you speak to that? Because you probably know where to find it best, and and what's going on with that. Yeah, yeah. Under the review can be found right on the Undroppables uh, YouTube channel. Uh, please go and subscribe. We'd love to have you check out that. What we'll, we'll do is uh, each week we're going to bring to you a review of some of the best big plays in the NFL from week to week. So last week, our first inaugural video, uh, we took a look at Chase Claypool. We took a look at Todd Gurley, and we took a look uh, at you know just these guys that uh, you know, are really, really starting to kind of break out of their shell a little bit. You know, Claypool scored another touchdown this week. Uh, Gurley didn't really get a lot of involvement in today's game, but, you know, just overall, we're going to start taking a look and breaking down the film for you and give you guys a better sense. And, you know, as the season progresses, we'll see Debbie stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, you guys did a great job, first of all, but it's also super fun. Like, I don't know, that's just fun content. So we talk about it entertaining. It is entertaining. Tommy makes it fun and entertaining. But he and it was good, but he's only going to get better with that because he's you guys are working together for the first time sort of on this stuff. So, you know, as you guys kind of find your groove, you'll know what he likes and how he likes it broken down. It's just going to get better and better. So it's going to become even more entertaining and even more useful. I love it. So just I there's just so much going on. When we talk about building uh, a rebuild and finding, you know, things that work. These are all things that are that, that we're doing that I, I just don't know if y'all know about. I mean, some of you might just sort of know me. Some of you might know this or that, but there's just so much going on. And we're really trying to, you know, make us a one-stop shop um, where, you know, you can 
you know, whatever you're looking for, you can find it, you know, with an undroppable team member. Um, you know, we've, we've got a lot going on. So I, I just wanted to, uh, to mention that, uh, jump, jumping around here. Uh, this one was going to be fun. I, you know, there's just been so much breakout wide receivers that I, I just wanted to sort of ask this, this question because these two guys are like, un, uh, you know, just unbelievable, you know, second round picks. Some may, sometimes maybe even slipped into the third round, but, you know, LaVisca Chenault and T. Higgins are just showing up and showing out. Um, they look like the real thing. I'm just going to ask it simple. You know, you have to pick one of these two guys. I hope you disagree. Uh, who you got, LaVisca or, or T. Higgins? I'll let Andrew go first because I want to see what he says. <laughs> yeah, you want to go the other way. Yeah, I like yeah. that. He's just going to go the other way no matter what I say. I, I was uh, going to let him go first for the same reason. Um, it's close. I, this is a tough one. Like these are like we want you. The answer is like both. I want both of these guys. So I, yeah. this is not an easy one. I don't know exactly what the right answer is because there's so much arrow up on both of these guys. It's going to be hard. Like it's funny when you pick one of these these guys. It's like you're almost not saying no to the other guy. You're not. We're saying yes to both. That's what makes it hard. But you got to pick one. I think somehow yeah, Justin I mean- volleyed onto the clock. Justin, who you got? Oh, it's it's T Higgins all day. Yeah, it's T Higgins yeah. all day. Uh, right now, okay, and I'll, I'll preface this with saying, right now it's T Higgins all day. Um, that could change once Justin Fields is a quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Minshew is just not as efficient as we saw in the first couple of games of the season, and he's just not getting involved. Uh, you know, he did have seven targets today. He has had at least six in the last four weeks. I think that is a significant number. He obviously is also getting some play in the running game. That is, you know, obviously pretty good as well. But the team's just not good. Uh, now, on the other side, uh, Cincinnati, they're also not that very good. But there's a lot to like about Joe Burrow. There's a lot to like about T. Higgins. T. Higgins blew up again today. I think he went six for like 125 on eight targets. Uh, need to see him in the end zone uh, there. But he did have two touchdowns a couple weeks ago against Philly. So I, I do think that Higgins just has a better outlook in the passing game. It's going to be him and uh, him and Burroughs for a very long time. Him, Burroughs, and Boyd for a very long time in Cincinnati. And I think that is a huge fantasy outlook. Yeah, it, I'm sorry we're not going to disagree on this one. But Higgins has the clearer path to becoming one of that those next you know, early round guys that were drafting and redraft. And it's because of Burrow. So Burrow Higgins until they retire, like that, we want to hear that connection for the next decade. And, and I think it's entirely possible. Obviously LaVisca's outlook is a little more murky in terms of situation. We don't know as much of what's going to happen there. I think he'll stay involved. Uh, and, and, you know, he's a great spot start even this year because he's already shown he's getting involved, but I think it's Higgins by a significant margin at this point. And I think part of it's because he just profiles more to me as that X receiver where he can do it both from, you know, big plays, but also just possession as well, like getting high volume, whereas Chenault, because of the way he's been utilized, it could end up being just a gadget guy too, which you hate to say, but. Well, it turns out you guys are actually right. So good job. Um, good, but good. no, you, you said it right. So there's a couple factors that go into this. You're 100% right. You know, how, how easy is Cincinnati to fix going forward if you're the GM? It's like, okay, quarterback check, running back check, wide receivers check. Yeah, we're good, man. Uh, defense, sure, we have to fix that. But I mean, look, fix the offensive line. Like just 
find offensive linemen and, you know, as many cornerbacks, you know, stop the pass. Like, <laughs> you know, right? That's it. Like, so pass stoppers, edge rushers, cornerbacks, and offensive linemen, and just that's what you need to do because the quarterback is sewn up, and you're absolutely right, because he's the number one there, you know, because he's already the number one there. I mean, I know Boyd is probably technically the number one target, but Boyd is a slot receiver, and, and God bless him for it. But you're right. T. Higgins profiles as that Alpha X. He's doing it perfectly. He's He literally has eviscerated A.J. Green, which we didn't see coming. Let's just face it. Not a lot of people were saying, look, T. Higgins is going to outplay A.J. Green off the, off, the, off the jump without an A.J. Green injury. No one was really saying that. And even if we thought T. Higgins could be that guy, we didn't see it coming this quick. So the the... The relationship with Burrow has been amazing. And then when you look over to Jacksonville, you're absolutely right. They're a train wreck. Organizationally, they're a train wreck. Minshew, as much as I love him, isn't as good as Joe Burrow. That's, you know, that's true. Um, and so, you know, they're not as complete. And DJ Chark is the actual alpha there. So as that team sort of comes together, and I, I kind of hope it is, you know, uh, maybe Justin Fields. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, in some ways, I think Minshew's good enough to win playoff games. I'm not sure he's a Super Bowl quarterback, but I think if he's quarterbacking a good team, which he is not, he's not, this is not a good team, um, then I think he's good enough to get it done. But yeah, I it, it, that one's a topic for another day. But as it stands right now, you're absolutely right. He it, It's T. Higgins, and it's certainly T. Higgins. Even though I absolutely love LaVisca Chenault, you know, he sort of reminded me of uh, A.J. Brown. We saw what A.J. Brown could do. So I think he, he he has that type of upside with his body and the way that he can move. But he's not there yet. So Higgins is already there. So here, here's another good one. Uh, see what you guys say to this one. Justin Jefferson or Jerry Judy? I think if Andrew goes the way that is opposite of me in this one, I think he's literally insane. Uh, but it's Justin Jefferson. It's not even close. Like, I don't even know why we're having this conversation. Uh, Justin Jefferson is an absolute monster, will continue to be an absolute monster, and that is just not going to change. Okay, well, let's start off by saying just from today's game, because I think this is <laughs> one of the headlines potentially, is that, you know, because Ju- Justin Jefferson continues to ball out. But Kirk Cousins is just apparently the king of garbage time. So if you want to crown him, then crown his ass, as Denny Green would say. But <laughs> yeah, like, I I don't know how we can evaluate Justin Jefferson getting that type of production in that type of situation. Is that how we expect him to get his production throughout the rest of his career? I, I think it's hard for me. And again, I am the probably the noob of the group when it comes to dynasty. I do not watch nearly as much college ball as Justin does. So I'm willing to take the L in any situation here, basically. But my thought process is if you're willing to spend like that first round draft capital on Judy and everyone's been talking about which one's going to be better between Judy and Lamb. I mean, at this point, I would say Lamb in a landslide for sure. But Judy is still up there in terms of, you know, immediately jumping off the page and just being hampered by QB play. So if John Elway is going to, you know, waste the prime years of Judy's early career, then yeah, let's go with Jefferson if that's how you project that to happen. But I I don't know. Is Kirk Cousins that much better than Drew Locke? It's it's tough for me. No, (laughs) but I I like to stick with Judy here because of the draft capital. Drew Locke is not uh, that much worse or better than Kirk Cousins, but Justin Jefferson is better than 
Jerry Judy. So, uh, Justin, you win again. That is absolutely correct. Uh, it's Justin Jefferson. I had Justin Jefferson ahead of Judy all off season. Um, you know, J- Jerry Judy is a good player, a nice player. He is not, uh, you know, I heard people talking about Julio Jones when they were coming. I, get the hell out of here. It's not even close. This, this is a good player. You know, he can be a Tyler Boyd type, honestly. And, and I'm not even, that's not even a negative. He's probably better than that. I, I, I comped him to Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, and I think that's about where his ceiling is. But Justin Jefferson is showing that his ceiling is already higher than that because he's literally outplaying those those guys. You know, he's 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 showing he's at least digs. I mean, right? I mean, he's doing digs like things uh, in in Minnesota. So I think it is Justin Jefferson. And I, I'm real comfortable with that with that assessment because it, it sort of looks like I thought it was going to look like. You know, I got really scared off in redraft on Jeff, Jefferson because of the Ola BC situation. He wasn't playing and. I really learned a lesson because I dropped him in a redraft league and I am so pissed off at myself because I know better than that. And, you know, it's not like I dropped him everywhere or did anything stupid like that, but I did drop him in a redraft league. Um, and, and my arch nemesis got him. Uh, and it just burns. It burns so damn much because he's good, you know? So, hey, you make these mistakes, but, you know, so we kind of got thrown off the scent with Jefferson. But he was that guy from the beginning, and uh, you know, don't don't let yourself lose focus of that. Yeah, and for me, I don't care what the Vikings do for the rest of the year or for the next ten years. Lose every game in the first quarter, uh, <laughs> Minnesota. I don't care. In fantasy football, garbage time production is the only thing that I really need to worry about. If he is going to continue to get peppered with targets, I don't care if they're down by seven, if they're down by thirty-five. Give me all of Justin Jefferson, 100%. Uh, the other thing for me is that Drew Locke, the Vikings can move off of Cousins in the draft. The Broncos are likely not going to move off their second-round pick this early, specifically knowing that they put a first-round pick on their previous guy, and that one didn't work out either. Uh, I just don't see Drew Locke leaving that team very very quickly, and so I think you're going to have another year, maybe two, of what uh, is currently happening to Jerry Judy now. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh so so this one isn't on the show sheet, but I love where this is going. So we're going to we're going to go a little bit further on this. We do not have a consensus WR1 at the undroppables. We do not in 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 overall dynasty rankings. So I'm going to say this very simply. If you could have one wide receiver on your dynasty team, who's it going to be? Are we talking rookie? Are we talking the whole nope. league? No, wide receiver one overall. I mean, you can pick any wide receiver. You get the first, you're, you know, you're on the clock, but you have to take receiver for whatever stupid reason. You're picking your wide receiver one. Who is wide receiver one in Dynasty? Just simple question because this is, the, the, the consensus is all over the place. I'm hearing yeah. a lot of different answers to this question all over. And I think it's a, it's a good one because, you know, you have to figure it out for yourself and, uh, Go, you know, tell me who it is. Yeah, it's Megatron Jr., uh, aka DK Metcalf, aka Here we go. Superman, aka literally everyone that you can think of. Uh, he is a, just an absolute monster. I've seen him absolutely dust CB ones and Stefan Gilmore. I've seen him absolutely destroy the worst of the worst and destroy the best of the best. Uh, you know, he is young. 
He is energetic. He is just very, very good. And as long as Russell Wilson is allowed to throw 17 touchdowns a game, DK Metcalf is hands down wide receiver one in dynasty football moving forward for me. Andrew, it's really hard. It's really hard to argue with that. Um, I I play. I've written some articles on our site playing devil's advocate, and I know everyone probably fucking hates me for doing that because you're kind of being a Debbie Downer on on players. And I have I did see one take about Metcalf is like he's never caught more than five passes in a game, but I guess just imagine if he does. <laughs> right. So I love I love that I love that pick. If I'm gonna go a different direction. And maybe, uh, Scott, because you alluded to it before, you might not love this pick, but I have not been able to stop thinking about Calvin Ridley lately. He's renting space in my brain, and it's, you know, part of it might be because of the Julio injury, but there was some talk of whether he was going to break out in his third year or not, and he did everything that we would expect him to do in a pass-happy offense. And so... You know, maybe the future of the Falcons is a little up in the air, but I think Calvin Ridley has and always will be the real deal. And I would love him down the road now, like it just because of age and everything else. Now, if I had to create rankings today, would I actually draft Ridley over some other guys that would be my number one in redraft? I don't know. But if I'm making a five-year plan, I would love for Ridley to be on my roster. And, and well, good just, point to note here, uh, the Cowboys should have drafted both of those guys, but they passed on them, and then a year later traded their first-round pick to get stupid Amari Cooper. And yes, I'm a Cowboys <laughs> fan, and Amari Cooper is still stupid. <laughs> well, <laughs> stop insulting me. First of all, you were very nice. You picked – so at the Undroppables, no other ranker, and they've updated their rankings here in the last you know week or so. Let's see, last uh, – Within the last 10 days, um, all of them, and none of them have uh, DK at one except me. I do. Uh, I, I agree with you. My uh, my rankings are with my convictions. I think it's easily DK. I don't have uh, Calvin Ridley in my top 10 right now, although he probably should be. He's close. He, I had him around eight or nine. You know, he, he blanked last week, and Julio comes back, and I'm thinking maybe there's a little bit more to – you know, I, in other words, I don't think Ridley is that good a player. If you're just asking me who's the best wide receiver in the league, that which is a different question, by the way, because as you point out, garbage time counts, and garbage time doesn't mean you're a good player. It just means you're getting these stupid ass opportunities, and those count. So opportunities matter. Who you're playing with, like Allen Robinson, is a better wide receiver than Calvin Ridley, but I, you know, it, situationally maybe not as good. Who knows, right? But you know, so. I had to kind of move him behind a couple guys like DJ Moore, Ridley, because I just would rather have DJ Moore. Um, I think that situation will change a little bit in Carolina. You know, there's just been a lack of touchdowns there. But yeah, for me, it's, it's, I, I keep looking at those like top six and who wouldn't want any one of those guys? Like Devontae Adams is awesome. DeAndre Hopkins has been so good. You know, uh, Chris Godwin still young and that, that offense obviously showed some life today. Gronk got involved. Uh, the running game looked good. The defense was awesome. So, you know, that is coming a long way. You know, Godwin, I think, is still the, the, the one to own there over Evans, although Evans is still a top 15, you know, dynasty wide receiver, no matter how, which way you look at it. Um, but for me, it's DK. I mean, you got to look young. You try to find the, the very, very best possible player 
at the youngest possible age. And, and that's why CeeDee Lamb is in my top three, uh, because he's awesome, just like we said. And, and to have ever compared Jer- Jerry Judy to CeeDee Lamb was just not right. CeeDee Lamb was the wide receiver one. He was a tier above everybody else. That was, I felt like that was evident, but I'm glad other people didn't because I was able to snag some CD Lamb in the late first where people actually yeah. took some of these other wide receivers over him. Um, thank you so much because now I've got CD Lamb. I've got CD Lamb and DK in some leagues and it's just like ridiculous. So absolutely, they're the one, two for me, you know. But, you know, you look at Devontae Adams, uh, Hopkins, Thomas, really that those guys right there because those are like the – and Julio. They're, they're like the best four wide receivers in the game right this moment, yeah. but mm. they're also 27, 20, 31 or whatever Julio is, right? So even though those are the four best wide receivers in the game, they're also not the best dynasty assets just because of age. I, I'm with you there. And I almost went with Lamb because th- this far into the season, I agree. Lamb is far and away better than than Judy as, a, as an NFL prospect and a dynasty asset. So it's nice to see you actually do have him at number two there because he's, you know, he's stealing opportunity away from the likes of, you know, guys like Michael Gallup just because that's who he is and and that's how good he is. So I think he is a great dynasty asset to have DK obviously up there doing what he's doing this year. Um, It it is crazy to factor in the age though, because it depends about, for me, it's like, you know, winning now or rebuilding. It's always like, what do you have to consider? Like I would always take a guy who's, a little bit older, but higher up in the redraft rankings if I'm trying to win now. Sure. Uh, and I understand that. And that, that, that's actually, you know, that's a, that's a bit of dynasty game theory that I had shared before. It's like, you know, I have a team where I own uh, Thomas Hopkins and uh, Julio. Uh, it's a team that's won like three straight. And yeah. while I would advocate and tell people that Julio is a sell, I'm not selling him on that team. Like, I don't want to sell him. Like, I don't care. You know, like, you could almost offer me anything and I'd be like, you know, no. I mean, maybe DK, DK or whatever. But, like, you know, I'm not taking a guy that I have ahead of him in the rankings that's not, like, a real young player. I'm not I'm not doing it. You know, Juju mm-hmm. Smith-Schuster or whatever, I probably have him ahead. But get out of here. I'm not taking Juju because he's not doing it yet. And, yeah, maybe Juju as a value asset going forward. He's only 23, yada, yada, yada. He's got eight more years to – you know, to, to produce, whereas Julio's a year or two, maybe, I don't know. Like, so yeah, yeah, I get all that. But if you're winning and you have Julio on your team, you see what he did today? Uh, Julio put up uh, eight for 137 and two touchdowns. Yep. He's, I mean, he's washed. <laughs> yeah, I was in a clear rebuild and I just traded Julio this weekend to our, you know, our founder, Chalk. co-founder, Chalk. He gave me a, a few different assets, which were, you know, helpful for me in that situation, but I'm sure he's loving Julio on his team right now. Cause he's, uh, he was five and zero before that. And right. So, so he's, that's uh, a smart buy for him and a smart sell for you. Now, maybe you should have waited. The trick would be wait till after this game, like wait to, cause you know, what's coming, right? Yeah. You, you wait. And that's what happens is it, it's all timing and patience. You, you said it earlier though, Andrew, you were the one that brought it up patience and, you know, and it's, it's really difficult because you're like, well, what if he doesn't get off the, on the field? What if he, comes back and throws up a dud, then his value is still dropping. I need to sell while the, you know, you probably did well. I don't remember what the trade was, but I thought it was pretty good as I looked at it. I thought it was a very fair return. Did you get Chark? I know I got, I got, a, I know we were talking about Chark, but I got Slayton, Hardman, and a 
pick. And I, I, I did have to sell Hunter Henry as part of that too. Yeah. So you got hosed. Um, you got, you got I, taken, you got taken <laughs> up top. Well, yeah. I, like you said, I wasn't selling them as if did you get a first round not. pick. At least tell me you got a first round pick. No, nah, man, I ended up getting a third. I was oh. just, I needed multiple assets and no one else was putting out offers. It's like, was everyone else out like drinking wine? Like I was yesterday because yeah. maybe I had too much wine, but I, I was like, am I about to put Julio out to pasture and, and, you know, Chuck, unless he lied to my face online, he told me he thought I got a good return. No, he but lied to your face online. Great job, Chuck. Way to go. No, that's a, that. Look, here's the education. This is perfect. This is a oh, great opportunity. After the fact. Why would he do that? No, no, because he's a nice person and he wants you to feel happy and he doesn't want you to feel like I'm making you feel right now. Yeah. Well, you know, I can take it. I've got thick skin. Yeah, I, you Chuck, should. Because here's what it is, man. It's learning by these quote unquote mistakes. Now, you didn't get. I mean, look, you did not get good value because, you know, here's the thing is I just tell people to F off. Like you're going to try and steal my guy. Eventually they'll come knocking. You just keep saying I'm selling, right? And just I'm selling Julio. I'm selling Julio. I'm selling Julio. And people will be like, and then they'll have that game and someone will be like, oh, wait, you are? Yeah, I'm still selling him. He's dope. And you just wait because and, – and if nobody gives you an offer that you feel is adequate and that you're getting something – that you can actually feel good about going forward. Now, maybe you like Slayton and Hardman. I'm not as much of a Hardman fan. I think he's sort of a, a handcuff wide receiver, which is not a good thing. Um, and, and even boom or bust if he does start. Like, he's not going to get consistent targets. So that's never a player I really want to own in Dynasty or in, in any form of fantasy personally. It doesn't mean that I don't think he's a good player at NFL football. It doesn't mean that I don't think he can produce in fantasy. It just means that... I just don't ever see him as a, a reliable every week starter. Um, again, maybe best ball, maybe super deep lineups, but yeah, just not for me. But that being said, you just keep holding and holding and holding until it comes to fruition. If it doesn't, you know, yeah, maybe eventually you have to take that 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 short deal. But I would have waited, especially come playoff time, as you get a little bit closer, especially in leagues with no trade deadlines. That's when that that's when that gets real hot. You know, you're you still suck. It's okay. Your team's not going anywhere. Who cares? But those those two or three teams that could really use them will now start to say that first round pick is fucking on the table because I need. I mean, I got a chance here. Julio's been balling. I want him. So that's all. But um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure Slayton will go off. You're you're doing great, buddy. Keep it up. I live and learn. I, I appreciate the pep talk. <laughs> and, and Scott, is that what that was? I actually had a question for you. You know, we, we talked earlier, probably yesterday or Friday, uh, in our Undroppables private chat uh, in regards to DK Metcalf and ultimately what you do. And the question that I brought up in the chat was, is that I currently am in a league. It's got a bunch of uh, Undroppables in it. It's got a bunch of other kind of fantasy uh, analysts in it as well. And I've got DK Metcalf, and the team is atrocious. I legitimately don't have an RB2 on my roster. That includes not also not having an RB1. There is nobody on this team. It's an orphan that I took over, and I'm trying to kind of rebuild it. So on teams like that, yeah. do you see yourself wanting to move guys like DK because you know that you can get this big haul or you think you can get this big haul? And if so, what are you looking to uh, to get out of, out of a deal like that? No, that's a great question. So, I mean – 
First of all, let me address the sort of what DK Metcalf means to a dynasty team, even a shitty, awful team with no other good players. You have a 20, I don't know, what is he, 22, 23? Maybe he's 23. I'm not sure exact age. I'm not looking at it, but he's 22 or 23 years old. His prime is still four years away, which is bonkers to think, like 26, 27, 28. That's when he's going to be at his best. So you don't have to worry about anything. I mean, yes, you have to worry about him, you know, dying in a bus crash. I don't know. You know what I mean? But you have nothing to worry about. That That is what I call a stable asset. It's not going anywhere. As a matter of fact, it's, if anything, I mean, look, it can't really go up unless he's the consensus wide receiver one, but he's not. So therefore, not everybody thinks this is the clear wide receiver one. So I'd let him appreciate even more. <clears throat> now, if someone wants to give you overall you know, 1.01 type of value, CMC trade value. Yeah, trade him. I mean, right? Like someone gives you two first, Terry McLaurin and a, you know, a, 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 another, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson. You're like, ah, yeah, let's just do this. I mean, now I've at least got a few things to work with here. Yes, sell. But if you're looking at DK Metcalf, he is at least the one thing that will be, will, will, will appreciate and hold its value that's on your team. And if you get other things at some point in the future, it doesn't sound like you have very many, you don't have any good leads. But um, if you get some other good players, they're going to be perfect in and around DK as your WR1 on your team. So he's not someone I would rush to sell. Certainly, I'm all ears, right? Because everybody's available on a, on, a, on a complete shit show team, right? Like, yes. But I would be looking to sell anything for even sec, you know third fourth and fifth round picks even 2022s like normally you don't want to wait for those picks but you're basically looking to put as much of the value that's on that team into that iron bank right so just throw all the value into the iron bank pick up some other shitty player on the waiver wire they're going to be terrible too this will help you lose which you will probably do regardless hopefully you still have your first round pick which it sounds like you probably don't but hopefully you do and you'll get the the 1.01 overall. And even if I get that 1.01 overall, I'm probably selling it because again, I need so many assets. If 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 someone's going to overvalue that, and I can get you know move back a little bit in the draft and still get future first round picks, maybe a player, and I just had to sell that one pick to get all that. I'm just going to continue to churn value and 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 push it into that iron bank. And it might be 2022, 2023 before you actually see return which sucks, but if that's the reality, you have to live with it, right? You can't think, if I just get you know Trevor Lawrence, everything's going to be fine. No, it's not. Your team is dog shit, right? So, <laughs> right? It's not true. So it's it's just not true. You know, I've got a, a, a guy uh, in full tank mode in a league I'm in. I actually think I posted it on Twitter. Maybe you guys got involved. And I know Dan, AWL, Sabermetrics didn't like it. I, I don't blame him. But, you know, it's not against the rules in the league I commission, and he's, he's tanking. But you know what? I don't give a shit because his team is awful. I mean, it's he's got a couple good pieces. He, he'd be all right, but it's awful. It's all old stuff, and he's not selling any of it. He's you know he's got Jimmy Graham, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I offered him. I'm a contender. I offered him a third round pick for Fitz, and he didn't take it. I was like, well, you're a fucking idiot. Because at some point, <laughs> it's true. That's the dumbest thing ever. He, you know, he, I would I would have taken a third for Fitz. I'm yeah, trying to get absolutely. rid of him in a different league. I think I gave him a player too, like. Um, Oh, like Jalen Guyton or, or no, Logan Thomas, actually. Logan Thomas and a third. Just because I needed to secure. I'm so good in that league. I, I, it doesn't even matter. I just needed to secure quarterback because it's like Darnold. It's a super flex. My second quarterback. I've got Lamar. It's like Darnold, Rivers, 
you know, who was last week was a little sketchy and this week he looked good, but you know, it was like a little bit sketchy. I was just trying to, you know, add more insurance so that that way I have options each week. I, it was a total overpay and he, and he blanked and he just said, you know, I don't know, not a third. And I'm thinking that's the dumbest thing ever. Just he has Devonte Freeman, Jimmy Graham. You got to sell all those things. Those things are, even if they're, you know, you just have to push all those things into the iron bank, just move them all there. And then, you know, that third round pick, like I said, it could be Chase Claypool, could be Antonio Gibson, right? Now you've you've taken, you know, Fitzpatrick or Jimmy Graham or, you know, Devontae Freeman and turned him into a, 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 something that's worth a first round pick in 12 months. That's crazy. Like, none of those players are doing that ever. There's We know for a fact that that's not happening to Jimmy Graham or Ryan Fitzpatrick or any of these guys, right? So you you got to get whatever you can. I'd sell Edo Smith for a fifth round pick. You know why? Because I just want a pick. Any pick is better than than a player that's doing you no good. So you just want to. So in long answer to your very short question is, you don't have to sell DK. You know he's part of that future Iron Bank. He's Iron Bank. You know now if he gets all the way, the, the argument counter to that is that when you get all the way up into the first five six picks of a startup draft, those you know, CMC type players, they obviously can't increase in value anymore, right? So selling them is necessarily the wisest move, so to speak, right? You know, value-wise. But, you know, with DK, is he really going to all of a sudden be a third-round startup pick? You know, it's just not going to happen. Like, I mean, something would have to go terribly wrong. Yeah, totally. I totally appreciate, uh, obviously, all that advice, Um, you know, in in getting – you know, a lot of pieces for a guy like that, you know, multiple picks, uh, a younger receiver or something of that nature. Uh, but would you find yourself also potentially making a move for an RB1, like a top three RB1 type guy? Like no, a no. Or a CMC? No. Or, yeah, no, 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 no. You go for it, Andrew. Tell him why. It's because wide receivers just hold more value than running backs every time. And, and it's just the longevity of their careers. Like I, if you truly think DK Metcalf's like the wide receiver one, I don't care what running back it is. I I would need a replacement level wide receiver, like a top 15, top 24 guy and Jonathan Taylor, whoever you think is the best running back. And and, and it's not because you think that uh, Jonathan Taylor is worth less to a, to a winning team than DK Metcalf. It's worth less to your team. So the, 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 you always add running backs last. Um, you, you, you want to insulate your team with young wide receiver talent. You want to, cause they last long. You can hate Amari Cooper all you want, but guess what? He's still going and he's going to be going for another three years and he's going to put up 80 <laughs> catches, 1200 yards and eight touchdowns. He's going to do it this year and he's going to do it next year. It, not going anywhere. I, I wrote about this in my dynasty startup, uh, advice article and here's why, right? Okay. Le'Veon Bell, uh, or, or, or a back like that. You know, Marlon Mack, they, they, they bring in Jonathan Taylor, immediately they're eviscerated, right? They're just nobody. You know, they mm-hmm. just become nobody. So a, a lead back in the NFL, they bring in someone, you know, like it's like if Chicago drafts Travis Etienne, David Montgomery is dead. I mean, you know, he just is. He's, he's already dead, I guess, but you know, he's <laughs> dead, right? So he's not worth anything, but we've seen. I, even Larry Fitzgerald to this point, they bring in Christian Kirk. They bring in DeAndre Hopkins. They bring in every, he still has value. You know, uh, Julio Jones, they bring in Calvin Ridley. If that were a running back, Julio would, would fade. But no, there's always room for two, sometimes three wide receivers. So even when those players get quote unquote replaced, 
they don't because there's enough that you can have 10 targets to same thing in Dallas. You know, they, they bring in CD lamb and those other two guys aren't, aren't dead. They're actually still viable players. Now, if, if Gallup were a running back, he'd be on the waiver wire. Like he'd be nobody who, who the hell, I mean, right. But he's mm-hmm. not, he's still viable. That's the security and safety in wide receivers. So while you're building and rebuilding, you want to keep as many young wide receivers as possible. And then you add those running backs last because look, I've, I said it in the article. You can't, well, you can't win. That's kind of, you're, it's going to be very difficult to win in fantasy football, redraft or otherwise without premium running backs. So they're the, they're the key that unlocks championships, but having Jonathan Taylor instead of DK Metcalf is awful. If you're, if that's your only good player, because Jonathan Taylor is likely to be good from now. Now it's possible the Frank Gore situation. But when we look at the dynasty curve, which is how players perform over a period of time, running backs tend to perform in year two and then two, three, four, five. Basically that rookie contract that you brought up earlier. That's about it. Some of them get more than that. But basically that curve falls off at around 26 years old. Meanwhile, receivers usually take a year or two. And again, the truly elite step in, especially as they're doing now. And they're, they're actually producing sooner now. And Term and I talked about that at one point, but they're producing sooner now than they had in the past. There's a lot of reasons for that, but I won't go into it. But receivers will last longer into about 30 years old, or they'll peak around 26, 27, whereas a running back's going to peak 23, 24. So you want to get those running backs young, and you also want to sell them before they get too old. But these receivers can usually have 10-year careers, and you can have them from 21 to 31. So those are the reasons why. That's why you're the genius. Hey, man, you know now you are because you heard it, and it's true, <laughs> and, and that's what it is. And so ultimately, even if, even if other people in your league know this stuff, you can still work with them because it's actually easier. For instance, the guy I tried to make the trade with for – I basically lost that trade. I, I literally was giving him – Way more value than he was given up, and he didn't take it. Like, I did that for a reason that was probably a dumb reason to do it even. I don't know, but I'm trying to ensure a championship against the Darnold situation, against a lot of shaky quarterback. Who knows? It, Fitzpatrick probably won't even – I'm, I'm glad he declined. You know, I'm just so glad because it was a dumb move on my part anyway. But it would have worked for both teams insofar as – I don't need the third round pick as much as I need to make sure I've got good quarterback play to win a, win a chip, right? And, you know, if you're rebuilding and I see you're rebuilding, I'm like, let's see here. You know, you don't happen to have any good running backs. You have a running back too. But, you know, um, if you had a Chris Carson on your team, a, a James Conner, and, and I'm kind of stacked and I have Debo and Terry McLaurin and they don't even get in my lineup because I got, you know, Godwin and all these studs. I'm like, you know, I could probably give up Debo for Chris Carson and maybe we figure out, maybe I give him a pick or something. Now you've basically taken a guy that is not really helping you win and he probably won't be helping you win in two or three years and turn him into, especially if you get Justin Jefferson or something, right? You're, now you're, they're, they're, the weekly points are probably the same, but the longevity of how long you'll have those weekly points has now gone up. And the fact that I can't play Justin Jefferson or Terry McLaurin or Debo Samuel in my RB2 slot, is what's important to me, right? So I need to get that that RB2, and I'm willing to, quote-unquote, overpay because I already have wide receivers. I need those running backs. So I'm going to attain those late, last, and then make my run for the championship. 
Makes sense. Like Gurley right now. Gurley's a great championship run by because he's pretty good, but we're all afraid to own him. So you can buy him kind of cheap, you know, um, but yet he can help you win a chip. If he's your RB2 or 3, you know, and you're solid everywhere else, you got Russell Wilson and right, you could win. Yeah, he's on the block in a couple of my leagues, so I'm going to have to go, you know, see what I can, what I have to give up to get him. I made an offer to Beezy who was selling him. Yeah. And I got, I got overbid. I don't know if you guys saw that. Was it in the Undroppables League that he did it? Did you guys see that? Maybe it was a different one. Did he end up sending him to a different team? Yeah, it was was a machine or Undroppables, but yeah, I was. I was pretty pissed off because I really, want, I really want him. I have, a, <laughs> I have only like three running backs total on the whole roster because that's kind of how I build my teams. It's a startup this mm-hmm. year. I've got, I'm loaded with wide receivers, so I think I gave him like a Debo or something. No, I didn't give him. Uh, I gave him a wide receiver plus a second round pick or something. And oh, uh, I'm just seeing this, damn. Yeah, and he sold him for a first and something else, right? Yeah, Mim- Denzel Mims. Yeah. Did good. He had, but he had to give up Van Jefferson too. So like, uh, who made the Terry D Brown? He got a replacement level. He did great. He got a first round pick in Mims, right? He got first in Mims for Gurley and Van Jefferson, and and a third. Yeah, that's a huge. That's a great trade. I mean, I wouldn't have paid that much. So, you know, but there's the point, right? So D Brown is going for the win. Like he's he's got a team that can win. He's willing to he's willing to push it, and so. BZ is able to put that value in the in the iron bank, and he got a good young player in Mims who's undervalued right now because we haven't seen him. What if he's right. as good as T. Higgins? He might not be. Yeah, but what if he is? It's possible. We don't have any idea. It, it, he certainly won't be with Gaze there, right? But you know, so mm-hmm. that's the idea. Is Dan knows that Mims probably won't do anything for him this year, and neither will the first round pick. First, he can't put the first round pick in his RB two slot. So you know, in order for him to win. That's what it took because I had I had offered a wide receiver and the second round pick, so that 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 deal's on the table. So he took my deal, shopped it, and, and made the play. Yeah. So that that's that's the perfect example of how you can make a win win trade. That's awesome. Well, I you know I appreciate this uh, this dynasty trade seminar that you're putting us through right now, Scott. <laughs> it's it's been helpful. It's a lot of fun, actually, you know, and, and that's what that's what this is all about. I mean, you know, it's it, and once you start seeing it this way, that's when you start to win. And, you know, because you realize what, you know, obviously, we you know, we like this player, that player. And a lot of the what we talk about out on, you know, um, social media, especially is player eval. You know, this guy is better than that guy. Judy better than, you know, and it's true. But the, the stuff that makes you win is how you team build and and how you secure picks. And BZ showed it right there. BZ's a hell of a player, man. And, you know, he, he probably is, if you look at his team, and we don't have to talk about his team, but if you were to look at his team, I bet you you would see that it's not that bad. Um, so it's not like a total teardown rebuild. He probably just figured, you know what, I'm not going to win. I need to either get off Gurley now or never, so to speak. Now's probably a good time. There's there's a lot of running backs hurt. Dalvin, I, I'd be willing to bet, well, no, I have Dalvin, but, you know, there's a lot of running backs hurt. He probably has one of the hurt running backs, and, you know, he needs to replace him. So he's just, just a real smart play. And, and, yeah, um, I, I just looked it up, and he I think in that one he said he was like, I'm blowing this team up. Yep. So he actually pulled off another trade, I think it said with Turn maybe, where he sent uh, Adam Thielen, who's another aging player, for and he got back, uh, I think it was a 21 first and Gandy Golden. 
yeah. which is another like potential X receiver. So I like right. I like that deal too. It's a flyer, and he puts a first round pick in that bank. So oh, now twenty two first, yeah, twenty two first. He put everything into the Iron Bank. So he took Thielen yep. and Gurley, some unstable assets, an old wide receiver. We just talked about when they start to see the end of their uh, the end of their rope, and it's right around mm-hmm. thirty. We just talked about when running backs start to see the end of their rope. It's around twenty six. He's selling right at the right time. He turned into two first round picks. And those two first round picks, I mean, those could be elite players. Obviously, we don't know. They're, 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 they're gambles. But here's the other thing. When those picks are on the clock, he'll be able to trade the picks for a player better than Todd Gurley or Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. If you don't ever even make a pick, you're putting the value in the iron bank. You're taking it back out when you need to cash it in. But, as I mentioned earlier, you can't play a 2021 first in your RB2 slot. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you keeping up, Justin? Very much so. Yeah. I actually just <laughs> sent BZ a trade offer. Uh, so here's hoping he <laughs> listens to this and accepts it. Yeah. yeah. D, DK, uh, DK in a third for CD Lamb in three firsts. You never know. I might, I might trip over a mine here as I'm walking out of my office, but. We'll see what happens, but I threw I threw that out towards. Yeah, the, I don't think he's going to be so. clicking accept on that. Yeah, probably yeah. not. No, you might want to hey, aim your sights a little lower than CD Lamb. But you know, even the three first is not crazy because you know if you're if you're a D, you know, I don't know if that's the league. He just sold everything. He's probably not going to do it in that league. Although maybe you know because his team may not be that bad. Maybe he's just trying to get off Gurley and Thielen, and he's like, look, I can take those two first I just got plus one, and all of a sudden I just turned. Gurley and Thielen plus a first in the Metcalf. It could happen, right? Now, he's probably not going to give up uh, CeeDee Lamb as well, but that's okay. You'll live and learn, live and learn. But, yeah, you I know, mean, you got to shoot your shot. It's a right? starting I point. Mean, yeah, he's one and four. He's one and four in this league. We're both one and four, you know. Uh, just shoot my shot. We'll see what happens. That's right. That's right. Go for it. Well, on that note, we're going to we're gonna shoot our shot and take off. We, we, we ran a little long, but you know what? Outstanding episode. Uh, you guys put me on the on the spotlight toward the end. I, I hope uh, you know. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I didn't mean to uh, filibuster that whole uh, that whole segment, but you did talk my language, which is what I do. And I appreciate you asking me those questions, man. Because you know, sometimes uh, I, I'm I'm hesitant to get on the soapbox, but if you ask me to, I'm fucking right up there, baby. I'm gonna be listening back to this because I need to be you know actually taking some notes <laughs> along the way. Yeah, you'll be I just liked gift, the, a lot. Jeff with the guy taking the notes, you'll be like, yeah, that, yeah. I just liked a lot that Jack said or Scott said that I was I was right uh, and that you were wrong, Andrew. That uh, just it holds more cloud for me. Uh, certainly on Sundays. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, how are your uh, how are your Cowboys doing? Uh, they're doing great. They're currently in first place in the division, and the Red Rocket's going to take us to a Super Bowl. How about that, Packer boy? That that is a narrative. That is a narrative, and. <laughs> God, I, I'll just set the record straight since you mentioned call me a Packer boy, which, as I said before the pod, that Packers shit the bed today. Uh, and Stoner asked this. So this is the one listener question we're going to get to, Scott. Then we can get the hell out of here. Go for it. I love it. He, Perfect. He asked He asked us via Twitter, why uh, am I both a Packers and a Titans fan and live in Chicago? So it's kind of just like a mind fuck for him, apparently. Uh Grew up in Green Bay, and when I was growing up, did not want to be a Packers fan at all. I was super contrarian, and you I rebel. Ti- <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a big rebel, big hardcore punk as fuck rebel, and <laughs> I just like fell in love with Javon Curse. Decided I was going to be a Titans fan, uh, and now that I'm working in Chicago, which is why I live here, and don't give much of a care about the Bears, 
I have been, you know, a little homesick and I, I support my, my Packers, my, the local team. So it, it's a nice way to stay connected to home. That actually makes sense because if you're, you know, if you're from Green Bay in Chicago, people are like, yeah, Green Bay sucks. Like, no, it does. It's fucking better than Chicago, you dipshit. Like, you're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the, the blood just boils and you have to, you have to stand up for your, you know, you're like, I never liked Aaron Rodgers, but fuck, I love him now. You, Hate you guys, so yeah. No, it yeah, makes actually, sense. actually, the one game that sold me was the the Mason Crosby kick in the NFC Divisional game a few years back when they beat the Cowboys. Because I <laughs> never been a big fan of the Cowboys. So, Justin, you you can love your team as much as you want, but I'll go the opposite direction. All I'll say is it it was a catch, and you guys are cheaters and don't deserve <laughs> it. Des it caught. definitely was a catch. It was definitely yeah, De- a catch. Yeah, Des caught it, and Golden Tate caught the fail Mary too. Sure, sure, whatever. I mean, it was <laughs> definitely a catch. I, look, I, I will tell you, it's a catch, and I'm a Patriots fan who will tell you it's a it was a fumble. Okay, so look, it, <laughs> all right. So I'm telling you, that was a fumble. You know, the, the we're going way back. Some of you guys weren't born, but the 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 play against the the Raiders in the snow game. The you know, the, the tuck rule. Absolutely, it was a fumble, man. I mean. I remember leaving the room. That was the end of the game. And people had to call me back in and say, no, no, they're, they're overturning. And I thought they were fucking with me. That's how much I thought in <laughs> real time it was a fumble. True story. So on that note, we're going to roll. Guys, uh, tell them where they can find you on Twitter because I'm sure, you know, after all this banter, if they're not already following you, they're going to want to. So go ahead and shout yourself out real quick. Yeah, you can just find me on Twitter at Andrew Mackins, and I'll be tweeting out you know any feedback. If you guys got questions, feel free to ask them there. We can help you out, and then we'll also always be promoting our show on Discord or our or the website. So you can find everything at on Twitter at Andrew Mackins for me, and for me it's at Jman underscore ff. Uh, that's M A N. J man underscore FF. And of course, uh, come check out us, uh, both Andrew and I, and, you know, obviously the entire community over at the fantasy football chat discord, just go on discord, search for fantasy football chat. If you follow either Andrew and I, you know, obviously we tag them in it. You'll be able to get to them as well. They've got some absolutely tremendous stuff in there from, you know, hundreds of people talking about trades, talking about drafts, talking about lineups, talking about start sit. And of course you'll see myself and Andrew live on Sundays just before kickoff uh, on the pregame show uh, with a handful of other undroppables in the chat, answering your start sit questions live and in real time. So make sure you come check us out there. Bingo. That is exactly right. Uh, You guys are awesome. It was so much fun. Of course we ran long, and it's always my fault because I'm long-winded. This is no surprise to anybody, but fucking hey, it was fun, man. And if y'all are still listening, you guys had fun too. And if you're not listening still, well, you didn't hear me say this either, but you definitely didn't hear that fire that we breathed toward the end, which is going to help you win your Dynasty League. So with that all, uh, thank you so much for listening, and catch you next week. Peace out.